Hello and welcome to another episode of Her Moment in History. Uh, I'm Michelle. And I'm Grace. This week our theme is um, artists. Which... Yes, we have another two artists. No wait, we haven't done artists before, have we? We haven't done artists before, no. I did do an artist because I did Frida Kahlo, didn't I? That's and then we true. had art collectors. Um, oh, we've done a lot of art. Okay, we'll change it up we next. We have week. done a lot of art. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've I've learned a, a lot about art through this process because I knew very little before. I'm very glad. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. So, who's going first? Oh, actually, can I go first this week? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, uh, I've kind of cheated a little bit. Okay. okay. So I do have somebody that I have researched as like my woman of the week. But I have also got a page of just like information about women's women's art in history, Ooh. because we were having a we, when we were trying to like plan it. You were saying like how far back can you go? Can you find like mm-hmm. cave paintings and things like that and artists like that? So I did a bit of research into oh. how far back women's art actually does go. Ooh, thank you. So. Uh, women's art has always been uh, overshadowed, which isn't mm. a massive surprise. Uh, yeah. And one of the main one of the many reasons for this was that so the way that women uh, typically used to kind of do art was through like canvas painting. Uh, wasn't always through canvas paintings, but also but through uh, things such as like textiles yeah, and like physical and kind of like that. yeah that kind of art, which were then because of the association with women, weren't regarded as art. Yeah. So this kind of, like, created the difference between arts and crafts and then, like, fine art, which we still kind of have today. So uh, that's, like, one of the reasons why women's art has always been overshadowed. And there is no specific women, uh, uh, cave women artists, sadly. I mean, if there was, would we know? Well, that's the thing. I don't think um, <laughs> we'd ha- we don't have names for them or or anything like that. But uh, there was the indication uh, they found that um, during the is it Neolithic uh, period that mm-hmm. um, women did make a lot of pottery, textiles, baskets, jewelry, and they painted on surfaces. Ooh. So there were a lot of women painters mm-hmm. in the cave men times, but we just don't know about them specifically. Uh, and then the same uh, carried on through the Paleolithic uh, period, kind of showed the same trend. Yeah. Uh, and they actually found out, so I was reading uh, an article uh, from the no- National Geographic that was looking into um, cave paintings. I might have read this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> have you? I did wonder when it was, because you obviously have read a lot of the National Geographic, yeah. and I was like, I really hope you haven't read this study, <laughs> but... They looked into uh, different cave paintings, um, specifically in Spain, France, and I can't pronounce the last place, I'm going to have a guess. Is it called Peshmerl? No idea. We'll just go with that. Let's say it's pronounced like that, that, yeah. Uh, And they looked at the span of the fingers on the hands of the cave paintings. Mm -hmm. um, Because it's, it's said that on women, typically, the index finger and the ring finger are the same length my i know checking now yes oh my my ring finger is a little bit shorter oh interesting am i a man well no, my whole life is a scam no men's is 
is long the the ring finger's longer. So actually Oh you're okay, never mind. further from being a man, I suppose. Even um, better. Whereas obviously the yeah, in, in the men, the ring finger is longer. Typically. This isn't like always the case, obviously there's going to be differences. Um but that's kind of typically the kind of research they were using. Um and they actually found that 75% of the handprints that were uh, found in cave art were from women. Well, that's really cool. So 75, yeah, 75% of the Whoa. artists of the caveman period were women. So, Whoa. brilliant. Um, um, but they, they weren't... Yeah, go oh, ahead. I was going to say there's a, the, a documentary all about cave mm-hmm. art by Werner Herzog. Uh, called Cave mm-hmm. of Forgotten Dreams, which... Brilliant title. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's the... Um, they found this cave because a rock fell off a cliff and, like, opened it up because it was, like, this rock was in the way for so long. Um, and then... Oh, my gosh. It used to be open to the public, but then they realised that, like, letting so many people in was sort of destroying it a bit so now it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're only allowed in unless you're like researching something like it's very like elite Whoa. but they he managed to go in and his documentary is like in it and he's so he's allowed but you're not actually allowed to go into this place and some of the art in it is really great and it's got Werner Herzog who's like poetic voice is narrating the whole thing it's wonderful Oh my gosh, there's, um, I went to a talk, uh, I think it was last year, you know, uh, do you know who Lucy Worsley is? Sounds familiar. Uh, she's a historian, I talk about her quite a lot, I really like her. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a historian, and I went to a talk by her, and uh, she'd done some research in um, a library, but oh. it's um, so old, and the texts are so fragile that she, again, was not allowed to take any... Mm. pictures, any, I don't think she was allowed to take any electronics into... It at wow. all, so there's like a picture, she's got on the front door, and then she's like, and that's all I can show you. Wow. Again, like... It's crazy. I know. But it's like, does it really Incredible. exist if you can't see it, though? I mean, you know, does a tree make a noise <laughs> if it falls over an empty forest? I suppose it's just... Well, it's a bit of deer Robert Hansen in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's not from Dear Evan Hansen. It's a it's a pre-existing. I don't know actually which philosopher came up with the that. I have no idea. First, that'd be an interesting point of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I suppose it's like what what, what definition do things exist and no, don't well, exist? I mean, can it be an object that's remembered if you can't actually see it? Like, unless you you go and you're not allowed to touch it nor identify like take pictures of or anything so you think like an object is only uh felt into truth well i i'm just questioning i don't know (laughs) it's an interesting i don't know i guess but like how do you know that so like do the uh does mount everest not exist to me because i've never been and well, that's up to you, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I do think Mount Everest does exist, but, like, it's, yeah, it's an interesting... Seeing is believing. I guess feeling is believing, too. Mm. Mm. But then that's a bit unfair to blind people and people with no hands. Oh yeah. 
I kind of really throws a spanner in the works with the whole seeing is believing mm. idea, doesn't it? Mm. Anyway, <laughs> um, back to the cave drawings. Um, they uh, had always thought that they were uh, done by men before because obviously they depicted uh, pictures of hunting and killing and animals and meat and things like that. And obviously mm-hmm. those were the jobs traditionally done by men. Whereas women used to just traditionally like bring the meat back and then kind of sort it out, but they they don't quite know, you know, I why think it women would make sense were doing war because the women can can draw that while they're out hunting and they're yeah. like creating yeah. or even like it's like a, a movie before movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, because yeah. you can imagine it, the little the cave thing... children be like, "This is what your dad is doing right now." I mean, it's you say like it's the movie before movies, but it's also like the art before art and the yes. the books before books, and it's the thing before kind of like any kind of narrative began. Um, I I think they, that about uh, it's also um, sorry uh, tapestries no. as well because mm-hmm. they're kind of like movies because it's just this whole story that's out on this whole roll. Yeah, and like I was looking, I was like, I'm like, this is like pre movie, but like. At the Bayo Tapestry. But, yeah. I wonder yeah. if, like, they do have a thing where... I mean, obviously you can't kind of, like, roll up the Bayo Tapestry and things like that because it's so delicate and sacred. But, like, imagine if, like, you rolled it so it literally did play like a like a movie... Um, oh, wow. I don't know what the word is. Like a film roll almost. Real, so it just yeah. did play in front of you. Yeah. It did play Ooh. in front of your eyes. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they did um, a Game of Thrones one. They, they, people what? like um, embroidered a tapestry of Game of Thrones from the first episode. And like, so when I saw it, um, season seven had just finished. So they were like up to date mm. on that. And it stopped oh there. God. Obviously, there was a space for like season eight. And it was, it was very strange. What? <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, fan dedication sometimes it's inspiring, honestly. Yeah. It's in Northern Ireland in Whoa. Belfast somewhere. Whoa. Oh, did you wait, have you did you go see it? Cause you, did you go to Belfast? Yeah, I saw it, yeah. Yeah, I, know I know about it. Whoa. It's very I, see, strange. I didn't know whether you just read about it or Yeah. How big is it? It's massive, like it goes like all the way it's a, like a huge room and then it goes up and then back down again and up again and back down again Whoa! you literally exist within within game of thrones yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's amazing mm. um in the the cave painting as well this wasn't kind of mentioned in the article but i kind of noticed it but like the examples that they were using of the hands were all left ha- left hands as well. I don't oh. know if that's it, like actually relevant to anything. But I was like, oh, maybe ooh, right-handed. Le- left-handed gang isn't the most popular. Ah. Well, I mean, have they done have they redone the kind of statistic recently because I know it used to be was it 11% of people were left-handed. Oh, but, really? I mean that included like social factors if you know what i mean so like people who yeah. had been told they couldn't be left-handed whereas i just think i think now it's more like fine so i wonder mm-hmm. if it's 
evened out a bit more. This is actually um, mildly relevant to my person. Who I've Ooh, got for this your person week. left-handed? Is it ambidextrous? Were they both hands? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She's ambidextrous. Like um, Da Vinci. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm excited. Right, I'll carry on one sec. Um, so that was uh, the cave, the cave paintings. In early um, India, they also found uh, the only women of the uh, Mafia, no, Malathia, uh region uh, were allowed, were painted, uh, painted. Only women did it. Okay. Um, they they also found uh, in the records of uh, like Homer that women were mentioned to make textiles, poetry, music, and other art, but no specific women were of course mentioned. Uh, and then during the medieval times, um, women were allowed to work alongside men to like add to their work uh, with illustrations and embroideries. Oh, wow. um, and it was kind of at this point, it said that like at this point, women kind of existed as individuals more. And oh wow! From from that, I kind of get that no longer were women just kind of like women were seen as separate, if you know what I mean, from men. So people weren't just people. We now had men and women a bit okay. more. And, like, women had their own kind of class and abilities, if you know what I mean. Yeah. From what I understood, which I don't 100% know, because I don't quite know this, the, like, status of women before then, but that's kind of what I took. So, um women kind of existed so those kind of they said there was two kind of classes of literate women so you had the aristocrats and then the nuns so aristocrats um what about the poor women aristocrats, or aristocrats? well they weren't literate so they they, they oh, were right, another okay. class <laughs> um so um aristocrats uh they did uh textiles and then the nuns did the uh illustrations and illuminations so Ooh. um Women were, I think, again, I'm not sure because the research was a little bit, mm, uh, were like demoted in the church. So no okay. longer could they lead in church. They had to um, kind of, the, the man had to lead and the woman had to kind of follow him. Um, I wonder what happened then. Like, when did it I don't all go know. wrong? <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose because you had, um, I, don't, I don't know, I mean, you've always kind of had class differences I guess but I don't know there's class differences uh, gen- uh, gender differences but I don't know it's at yeah. what point did they then go okay we're just going to completely disregard the abilities of women maybe that's why it's called the dark ages yes that is the reason mm-hmm. I mean makes sense exactly um, so um, so the middle ages uh, which then leads on to the woman I have chosen who's one of the earliest um, kind of named women uh, artists. So oh, I have wow. done um, Hildegard of Bingen. No, Bingen. <laughs> oh, I have, have you heard, heard of, of her? her? No. Yes. <laughs> so um, Hildegard was born in uh, 1098. Eat a sneeze. Okay. No, I don't. Actually, <laughs> okay. Um, Hildegard was born in uh, 1098 in Germany. She oh, was the wow. youngest and the tenth child of her parents. Um, she was a writer, composer, 
philosopher, Christian mystic, visionary, polymath, and a saint. <laughs> Whoa. Lot of things, yes. I know, and she was also considered kind of the the founder of the scientific natural history in Germany. Wow. Yeah. Um, she was raised in a convent uh, because as a child, so as a child, she had visions. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't 100% kind of uh, go into detail about that. Um, but also, I, I assume because um, I don't think her family were very rich and she was kind of like one of the youngest ones that they just kind of, off she went to a convent. And they weren't there from the records. They're not one hundred percent sure whether she went there at age of eight or age of fourteen, because she was looked after by this um, other woman called Jutta. I think you pronounce it, but I might be wrong. Um, Jutta, who uh, said that Hildegard was introduced to her at the age of eight, and it's known they went to a convent together. But then, in records, the year that uh, that Hildegard went to the convent, she would have been fourteen. So they assume that Hildegard was actually just put into Jutta's care at eight. Oh, okay. And then they went to the convent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jutta taught uh, Hildegard how to read and write, and she also oh, taught wow. her handiwork and how to tend for the sick. So, like, lifelong pals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Hildegard went on to find, found uh, two monasteries. Um, she wrote many, many texts relating to... Uh, Oh, I can never pronounce the word, botanical and medicinal mm-hmm. texts, um, as are well they, as... Um, are they still, um, like, can you still read them? Or are they, like, lost? I think that, like, a lot were kept. Oh, wow, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, w- one sec. Because it kind of, yeah... She also wrote poems, and then she did the illustrations for her work. Oh, wow. So that's, like, the the art that she okay. produced. For, I've had a look at a few of the pages, and it seems as though, like, she'd write her information, like, one side of the page, and then the whole other kind of side of the, the page, they'd ju- it'd just be her artwork. Oh, wow. In order to kind of tell the, sto- the same story on both mm-hmm. sides. So it was really good. And th- th- yeah, so, you know, I had a look at some that were on uh, Google. So yeah, they're all still, well, not all, but like, a lot of them are still kind of available mm-hmm. for the, the public. And she also uh, created a language because... Wow. Why not? So the language was called Lingua uh, Ignota, which means the unknown language, imaginative title. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like... There were other people after her who then, like, used it to write. Whoa. Which is kind of weird. In some of her books, uh, she wrote about the theology. Her most famous is um, a work from 1142 uh, called Scivius, which is uh, also known as The Ways of the Lord, uh, in which she wrote and drew her 35 visions, either as a child and later. And apparently the they they were so kind of famous because they were mm-hmm. they were so much brighter and the lines were so much clearer than in other kind of oh, work wow. that had come before it. Uh, she travelled widely to preach, um, which was definitely against the st- uh, like the social expectation of the time. Yes. Um, uh, but sadly, she still did refer to herself as the weaker sex. And she still was guilty of, you know, belittling women. 
which isn't great. Oh. But she was the first woman to be given kind of a voice, uh, like a, a widespread voice within the church. And she very much used it to speak out about um, institutional corruption. Yeah. So That's I fun. suppose she did, you, you know, good things as well. And then she passed away on the 17th of September in 1179. So she was 81. And Whoa. when she died, the sisters that were around her said that they saw two streams of light in the sky cross over at the exact point where she had passed away. She was um, beatified in 1326, which is when... That's when you become a saint, isn't it? Possibly not. <laughs> And then she was canonised in uh, 2012, which is where... I did look this up, but it was a few days ago now, so I cannot remember. But they're different in one way. I think one's like, you become a saint, and then the other one is like, you become famous and part of the church's canon, or something like that. Oh, okay. Only a thousand years after. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but, (laughs) you know. Progress. At least we got there eventually. (laughs) So, but yeah, that was oh. Hildegard of Bingen. Cool. That's really Thank interesting. You. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I tried to do one of the earliest women I could, and <laughs> I think I managed it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whoa. Uh, yeah. I just kept thinking of Beatrix Potter, because she did a lot of, like, Why? all of her illustrations to her writing. Yes, yeah. Because um, I went to an exhibition last year with like it was focused on her paintings, which it's quite strange seeing them. Like she was actually very talented artist. She's just mm-hmm. even though she like wrote books, it's fun. But yeah, multi skilled women. Because I was um when I was in the archives last year, mm-hmm. I read about this woman called Hildegard. It wasn't that Hildegard though, it but I forgot her last name. But like, she was like she wasn't mm-hmm. famous, but she like wrote this like biography for herself, and it was Whoa. so well like autobiography, and it was so fascinating because she was talking about how she was, um, in World War Two, and she so she had to leave because she went to London to like help with the cleaning up of the bombs i think but she had to leave because mm-hmm. she was like having it was causing her to be like ill because of all the pressure and Ooh. stuff so she had to come back like yeah. up north and she has like all of these like really like life stories that are so nice and she just like very romanticizes her her childhood and it was just like this woman i've she's of like no significance in that she she did anything like that sounds very harsh but like she was just normal Mm -hmm. but she like i just read like her life story and it felt very weird that's ooh, and then that's interesting because it's like i don't know it's it, it it's like creating the celebrity but without the middle part i don't yeah. know it's because I was like, Ooh. oh, this isn't relevant. I'm going to stop reading. And then I started reading. And I was reading more and more. I'm like, this is just really interesting. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Should we have an ad break? Yes. Should we go for an ad break? And then we'll be back. <laughs> okay. 
Hey, Christy, what do we talk about on our podcast? Well, Ashley, we talk about all kinds of weird stuff. Like aliens. And ghosts. And cults. And cryptids. And witches. And murders. Yeah, even sometimes murders. Basically, we talk about all kinds of weird shit. Oh, I already said that. Oh. So yeah, if you like weird topics, feminist rants, and the occasional F-bomb, you should listen to us. We post new episodes every other Monday. Find us online at thatsweird.org. And subscribe to That's Weird on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, and welcome back after that break. Uh, yeah? Yeah. So my person uh, this week is... It's actually where I got the information is a bit different mm-hmm. than usual because it's from a book I'm reading, but it's from someone who was okay. Spoiler: they were in the Surrealist. Um, so they they were this the person who wrote it was also in the Surrealist mm-hmm. movement, and so he knew like the people firsthand. So it's like their accounts and his knowledge or remembrance of their accounts. Okay, and that's how like their life is sort of told. Mm-hmm. I did do some fact checking to see if like it was all <laughs> accurate. Oh, so I'm hoping it is. To be fair, <laughs> I wouldn't know if uh, it wasn't or not. So I mean we might have some art historians listening. True, true. If there are, hello. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And uh, <laughs> I mean I apologize in advance. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, who have you done? Oh, I actually, I'm gonna put this out here now because I was just thinking about it the mm-hmm. other day. Um. So, cause I sh- I sent you the 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 Instagram. There's an Instagram account called Directed mm-hmm. by Women, and they're doing like a blog post each day of like a film by that's directed by a woman or women that's like twenty two thousand and one and afterwards. And so I'm going to be contributing to one of these. But I was thinking about doing one uh, for my, like, as, like, creating this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But for, like, women, no, artists who are women. And doing, like, a a similar. And, like, because it's it's very collaborative in that people, like, saying, I'll do one. And then they do one. They write their blog posts. It gets submitted. And it's, that's a day. But. I don't know if we have audience members who would be interested. Yeah. You know, let us know because I want to do yeah. this. I, I think it'd be fun. Oh, it'd be quite good. I mean, quite nice to have like different people's areas of kind of interest. Are really kind of yeah. yeah. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to put that in okay. the world because I've been thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my my woman is um, Leonora Carrington. Ooh. Who have you heard? I haven't, but I really like her name. Um, she I really like her paintings. They're kind of um, well, it's surrealist, so it's dreamlike, and uh, there might be one. There's like a painting of her with like a horse, Mm -hmm. and there's like. A painted wall that's kind of like a window but not and there's another horse in it which is a self-portrait which is like a famous one okay um yeah so um she was born on the 6th of april 1917 
um her so it says that her father was um, a textile ty- tycoon but then all it says about her mother is oh, irish does her mother not even get a name <laughs> i oh. don't think so if it did oh, i didn't i didn't look which i should have done i'm so sorry to your That's, mother oh because we, we've discussed before, haven't we, like, the fact that when you kind of research people, if there's information about their parents, then a lot of the time, it just, it, yeah. it very much just talks about the, the part, like, their mother is just their dad's partner, and, like, it really bothers me. Yeah. It's, it's always the case, yeah. though. Um... Yeah, unfortunately. Her parents are not on Wikipedia. That's, that's sad. Oh, her mother was called Maureen. Oh, cool. Okay. But her dad doesn't Ooh, have a name. Okay. I like that. Maureen's <laughs> husband. That seems so strange to say, but it's yeah. I feel like that just highlighted that I didn't use Wikipedia. <laughs> you know, I we're I'm above that. No, I'm not. <laughs> no one's above Wikipedia. It's honestly like um, a godsend. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. I would never bash Wikipedia. You know, Hank Green's done like um, I think he's only done one of it, but I'm not sure if it's going to be a series. It's like, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's mm-hmm. on his channel, and he it's like he and someone else were like reading a Wikipedia article. And then they'd then, like, in the video, and then they'd, like, come back and tell the other person what they just found out. Oh, that's quite cool. And I think his was, like, Exploding Frogs. Oh, I quite like that. Because I really love um, just, like, Wikipedia <laughs> um, kind of, like, getting lost in random yes. pages. Because there's, like, all the links yeah. and you just keep going. Well, that's what I because I sent um, our group chat the other day, didn't I? There was a city I'd found in... Um, Mexico that was oh yeah bizarre uh, and that's how I found out was just through um, just like finding oh. research. Mhm. Mm. Uh, she was born in mm. Northern England. She so she grew up in a mansion because her her dad was a textile tycoon. Um. And she had ten servants, a chauffeur, a nanny, a French governess, and a religious tutor. Oh my tutor. gosh! That's excessive. Yeah. Yes. Um. She so she was always supervised, and she was only allowed to visit her mother on like set occasions. What? Yeah. And so obviously she found this home like a prison. Yeah. Understandably. Kind of, and um, she, even though like it was very grand and excessive and stuff but and she like architecturally described it as lavatory gothic lavatory gothic oh yeah interesting so she um like tried like liked escaping this house mm-hmm. world where she grew up um so she like got lost in like world of fantasies mm-hmm. and stuff which was uh, influenced by her Irish nanny, oh. who would tell her like folk uh-huh. stories that would then spark this inspiration. So at school, she got into trouble nice. a lot because, um, well, she could write with mm-hmm. both hands as well as write backwards. Whoa. No, 
So the nuns told her that she had a disease because she oh, had this skill. Of course. And she was told she was abnormal and she was punished for not conforming. Oh my gosh. I, it just makes me so sad. <laughs> just let people be yes. quirky. But, um, yeah, like it doesn't matter what hand you write with. But in later life, it said that she could paint with both hands Whoa. at the same time. Which I just, very to me, I don't understand how you separate um, the kind of what you're doing in your head, if you know what I mean. Like, because I have to really focus if I'm writing something down. Mm-hmm. That, like, how do you only like pay half of it attention yeah. and then with pay your other hand the other half of attention? I mean, it's like playing yeah, the piano, yeah. isn't it? I say as though I know how to do that. Well, <laughs> I'm teaching you. I still won't say <laughs> I can play the piano though. I can, I can play like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, <laughs> semi confidently. You were playing um, William Tell the other day. Uh, playing is a loose term, anyway. <laughs> no, it was it was very good actually. But um, so at this time she, this is she started to become like distrustful, distrustful mm-hmm. of religion. Which would be a big thing in later oh, life yeah. for her. Um, and she also did some acts of rebellion while in mm. her school years. So there's um, uh, particularly, I like this one. So when she was 14, she um, pulled up her dress in front of a yeah. priest, Amazing. a Catholic priest. Um, she wasn't wearing anything oh underneath. My gosh. And she asked, what do you think of that? And then ran away. I love her. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I, know. <laughs> I don't condone kind of exposing yourself um, when it is inappropriate. But that's just very amusing. Yeah, but, then, but the nuns didn't no, treat yeah. her right, so... But that is very amusing. <laughs> um, so she was expelled <gasps> twice. For um, it says not collaborating Brilliant. with the teachers. Um, so eventually she got sent to a boarding school mm-hmm. in Florence, which um, which was meant to prepare her for to be presented at court. Oh, you know, I I think it's like yeah. debutante, and you know they're coming out, yeah. but not in the gay exactly. way. So while she was in Florence, she also started studying like mm-hmm. great art of the past, um, which like obviously had a lasting impact. And then after Florence, she was sent to a finishing school in Paris, Ooh. where she then got expelled for not conforming. Again? Yep. <laughs> and then um, I think. And then when she came home, she her family had presented her at court wearing a tiara, and they gave her a debutante ball at the Ritz. Okay. At the Ritz, bloody hell! Yeah, you know. Um, and then they also took her to the royal enclosure at Ascot oh Races, God. and um, because she was, she couldn't bet on the horses. I'm not sure if that's because of age or legal. Or like yeah. you, women weren't allowed to bet, which I I don't know, but she sat there and just read Eyeless in Gaza by Aldous Huxley Brilliant. instead of like participating. Oh, amazing, <laughs> you know. Um, and then her family like said she was now like 
primed for high society um mm-hmm. marriage it's so, like high society marriage yeah said that wrong um which the she then said that she's going to be sold to the highest bidder <sighs> i just yeah not yeah yes but it but it doesn't happen oh good so <laughs> so when she in 1935 uh-huh. so she was 18 she announced that she was leaving home to become an art student mm-hmm. in london um so she went and left but her parents were very furious and like they didn't give her much financial support okay but it what didn't happened stop to, like, her. Just, i don't know supporting your children <laughs> I suppose that's yet to come about, isn't it, really, rather in history? So, like, her uncooperative behaviour in, like, educational Mm -hmm. settings suddenly stopped as soon as she went to art school because she she just, like, applied herself and loved it and she just practised paintings and drawings. It's almost as though, you know, if if someone is happy, Um, then they do okay. (laughs) Yeah, and they the don't rebel. <laughs> her introduction to mm-hmm. the Surrealists actually came from her mother because she <laughs> gave her a gift of uh, Herbert Reed's book just called Surrealism, Ooh. which was published in 1936. Mm. She said to have found it fascinating and particularly the work of Max Ernst. Oh, yeah. And... Um, she said seeing his work was like um, burning inside. Oh, what? That's like strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think she... I have a cat okay, to let in. <laughs> it wants to be included. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah, she does. She's not very artistically. You don't inclined. know. She likes to rip up my artistically. Books. No. Oh, maybe, maybe that's what are. she's trying to do. An artist, artist. <laughs> yes. Um. She met Art Max Ernst in 1937. Whoa. Um, at his show in mm-hmm. in London. Um, and she met him at a dinner party that was held in his honour. And so he had a reputation b- for being like mm. irresistible mm. to women. And she also found this true. So <laughs> she said it was love at first Aww. sight, even though he was oh. already married. Um, but she soon became his protege and his lover. Oh. <laughs> And then she she left for Paris um, and followed him there. Yeah, when he left for mm-hmm. Paris, she followed him there. I can't <laughs> talk today. And so when she was in Paris, she, like, found all the, like, surrealist Paris, like, the gatherings and the cafes and bars, like, very exhilarating, which, like, in con- contrast mm-hmm. to her childhood, was, you know, not I suppose surprising. it's, like, just, like, the freedom of expression. Can you be quiet, please? Goodness. We have an unexpected guest. 
Um, can you hear a purring? I mean, not purring, uh, no. crying. Yes. Or meowing. It's fine. Oh, I hope... oh, yeah. I mean, there you go. It's a nice cat to... Oh, wait, yeah. When she told her parents that she was going to live in Paris um, in sin with a married German artist who was 25 years older than him, than her, um, her father said she could never enter the family oh, home again. Ain't that nice? I know. And... She said she said she was glad to be leaving the English, and this is her quote: "Whose souls have the consistency consistency of pork born." That's a very kind of British way to say it. Yeah. So my cat's just jumped oh, right okay. by the microphone. Yeah, this. Uh, do you mind? What? Um. <laughs> so she became an active member of um, Andre Breton's circle. He was like the founder uh-huh. of the Surrealists. She said that the self confidence she had acquired from childhood meant that she was no com- no compliant groupie, but a force to yes, be reckoned own with. It. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was quite rebellious. No. <laughs> or like, we're not really rebellious, just um, a bit odd, which surrealist. Mm. So during like this time, so at one party, she wore nothing but a, a white sheet and then she let it drop and was stark naked. Amazing. <laughs> um, so... She and Ernst were kicked out. What I love is that your information has come from almost a self recount. Like so, like these are the parts <laughs> yes. of her life which we she of which she is most proud of. Is <laughs> like I can imagine just her sitting there and just being like, "Oh gosh, yeah." And that one time I went to a party and just got butt naked in front of all the guests. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so her family kept tabs on her, like the whole time she was with. Mm-hmm. Max Ernst, um, and they tried to get him arrested for showing pornographic images, which he wasn't. Ar- he got okay. out somehow, so it didn't. He didn't get charged. Um, but she's she found the environment in Paris in like the late nineteen thirties was very productive and very cool. stimulating. She painted a lot. In nineteen thirty eight, she and Max Ernst got tired of Andre Breton's arguing with all the other group members, so he was very um, like a very a bit too strict with the, the surrealist rules, and that he would like constantly be like kicking people out of the surrealists, then bringing them back in, and then kicking them out again, and like constantly okay. arguing with them, um, which meant that like most of the surrealist group ended up sort of going. On, on their own to do continue like the surrealist work it just wasn't part of like his idea of the original mm-hmm. surrealist group she, um, both of them left Paris and they spent over a year in an old farmhouse in oh. a French village Quaint. until um, 1939 the wonderful year when war, World War 2 oh, broke yeah. out um, 
and obviously Max Ernst was German, so he was sent to a French French concentration camp, and so Mm -hmm. she was on her own, um, and so she began to like see her relationship with Mm -hmm. him very differently, and so when he was released, he returned to the farmhouse and she wasn't there. Because when he left, she was suddenly alone in a foreign country mm-hmm. during a war. Um, and, like, she, it, like, thought she lost all of her family ties. Oh. So, and it was, like, she was only oh. 23, and it was all a bit too much for her. So she had a bit of having a, a like, mental breakdown. And so she stopped eating, started drinking and having hallucinations. And... She sold the farmhouse for a bottle of brandy. Oh my gosh. And then her friends drove her to Madrid, where her erratic behaviour became even more extreme. And she was found one day outside of the British embassy, shouting that she wanted to kill Hitler. I mean... (laughs) I mean, honestly though... I do, I do understand that, like, that was a bad thing at the time to shout, but, like, of all the things, yeah. like, that you could possibly be getting trouble for, I'm like, that's not even mm. bad. Um, and then her father had her committed to a Spanish lunatic oh. asylum. Her dad sounds like a dick, no offence. I know. Yeah. yeah, he was. <laughs> and she was called incurably oh, insane. So while she was there, she had chemical nope. shock therapy. Nope, nope, nope. And the, and the drugs they gave her give her convulsive spasms. And she spent the days tied to her bed with leather straps and she was fed through a feeding tube. Well, that sounds like a fun little and holiday, not- doesn't it? Yes, and this, like... Almost killed her. Oh my god. Quite understandably. I just... Okay. Um, <laughs> but then her her worried parents had her moved to a mental institution in South Africa. Okay. Um, and her father sent her old nanny by a submarine <laughs> to escort by her. By submarine? It was the war. I... I guess, so I yeah. guess like safe way. No, makes... but it just—I don't know. I don't associate submarines with being like the forties. No, I mean, it just seems a bit weird. Like I've a wet. Yeah, okay. When they started the journey mm-hmm. from Madrid, they went to Lisbon in uh, Portugal, and uh, so she persuaded her nanny to let her go and buy some gloves. And so she instead just snuck out the back door and then went to the Mexican embassy <laughs> embassy, where she knew the ambassador, who was Renato okay. Leduc. Leduc? Um, he okay, was an of old course. Friend. Casual acquaintance. Um, and so, yeah. And uh, she begged him to get her out uh-huh. of the country. But obviously it was a war, mm-hmm. so it wasn't easy. But um, the only way he could do it was if she married him and so they got married <laughs> and then um okay. <laughs> i know then in a few months 
uh, like it was a few months before they could sail yeah. across the Atlantic because they were going to, they wanted to go to mm-hmm. Mexico. But during this time, Max Ernst turned up in Lisbon to also go to America. So, oh my god! Um, the scandal, really like... the the tension. <laughs> I know. Um, but at this point, he was now with Peggy Guggenheim. <laughs> Oh my god! We have a whole yeah. episode about. I know, um, but he was also like desperately in love with mm-hmm. Leonora, so they ended up spending a lot of time in cafes having mm-hmm. deep discussions, and he repeatedly tried to get her back, but then she blamed him for not getting her out of the lunatic mm-hmm. asylum, and she didn't want to live with oh. him anymore. And once they all left mm-hmm. for America. They they all ended up living in New York. Um, I mean, New York's not a together, big place, but, so... But they, they did continue mm-hmm. seeing each other, um, which made Peggy Guggenheim, who they were now married, Max, Max Ernst, and uh, um, she was quite mm. jealous. Mm. You know, mm. understandable. Um but she never let this affect the assessment of her work, oh. of like Leonora's work. So she'd like happily exhibit her art in the galleries Ooh. and stuff. That's... I know, that's so nice. Yeah. And very good, nice. Um, but uh, while she was in New York, Leonora was, her behaviour was said to be a bit odd. Um, and they weren't quite sure whether it was like, actual madness or like surrealist eccentricities Mm -hmm. or both so um once while she was in a restaurant she just decided to cover her feet in mustard um and then while she was in a friend's house she once showered fully clothed Mm. okay i mean when i was a kid i went through a phase of showering my pajamas on yeah really (laughs) Yeah, I can't strange. actually remember my reasoning for it. I think you were a surrealist yeah, yeah, at that heart. That was the reason. Yeah. So then, in um, 1943, she moved to Mexico mm. with her husband, mm-hmm. of convenience, um, <laughs> and they their relationship ended after a few years, and okay. then they got divorced. And then in Mexico City, she met Emerico Weiss, who was a Hungarian Jew who was um, a photojournalist, mm. and they, very soon after they met, got married in uh, 1946. Okay. So they set up a home together in Mexico, and they remained husband and wife for what? 60 years. Oh. And it's very sweet. <laughs> um, and they mm. had two sons, and uh, she can pa- continued painting until she was in her 90s. Whoa! Which, impressive. Um... But she did leave him a few times to have numerous lovers, but she always returned well, to then him. then it's okay. How old was she when... Or is she still... No, she won't be still alive. No, she died in 2011. Oh, not that long ago. It was like eight years ago. Yeah, so she was 96? Wait, no, 94. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she died in the 25th of May as a result of 
complications arising from pneumonia. Ooh. I mean, that's... She lived a long time. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if, like, she would have said that and, the thing um, that kept her so... alive was pure spite. She seems like that kind of person. Rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so when... She was also when, um, when she was questioned on mm-hmm. her art and, like, the meaning of it, um, she said they were made with the unconscious and that they should be received that mm-hmm. way too and that she she worked with feelings, not explanations. That's... So she got a bit mad if people would ask her, like, what does it mean? Well, what does I mean, it mean? understandably. Because she's just like... I mean, that's the whole point mm. of surrealism is mm. it's the unconscious. Yes, that is Leah Carrington. I like Carrington. her. I know, she's fun. <laughs> oh, amazing. Good mm-hmm. choice. I just found it like I wasn't even looking for someone to I was mm. just reading a book and then it was just I was like this person this is, she's amazing to do for the I podcast. I know this morning when I was uh, I, I don't know I think I was just scrolling through uh, like Twitter or something and uh, came across somebody this morning who was uh, a painter and I was like oh, I want to do her instead and I was like I don't have the time to do all of the research that's needed <laughs> so but I will do her in the future but yeah yeah it's quite fun when you just happen to stumble across people i've got quite a few that i just kind of have stumbled across and i like mm-hmm. oh that'd be good mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. i think you know because we've never mentioned that on mm-hmm. the anchor app there's um people can like do voice recordings and then like say something and then we can like put it on the podcast and then they can be speaking so like if if anyone wants to like send us a nice message to say hello or tell us about yeah. an interesting woman you found. Yeah. Like, please do. Oh, we'd, we'd um, love to hear them, honestly. That'd, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, just get in touch. Yes. Let us know. Give us lots of iTunes ratings. Preferably five stars. Because I think we deserve yes. that. Well, I mean, we're not exactly going to turn around like, and say no. high quality. Well, no, we are okay. high quality. <laughs> We're a high-quality mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to stop bigging myself up. <laughs> don't do it. You're so confident. Do it. Do you have anything more to add? I don't think so. No, just thank just you. Just thank you to yeah. our editor. And thank you. Yes, thank you, our editor. And As thank well. you to our listeners, because it's, it's amazing. Yes, they're thank slowly growing. Thank you, and we shall see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.